welcome to the Saddle Cartel Podcast. We're going to talk tips, tricks, tactics, and saddle hunting scenarios with our staff from across the country, members of our Facebook page, manufacturers in the industry, and we'll probably get into a few campfire stories along the way. Enjoy the ride. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Saddle Cartel Podcast. I'm Chris, and today I have a special guest. I have AJ from Huntlight. How you doing, AJ? Doing well, Chris. How are you doing, man? Doing excellent. Thank you for uh, cutting some time away to uh, to do this with us. I appreciate yeah, it. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me on. It's uh, I'm, I'm really stoked to, one, have gotten to know you over the past few years, and two, be able to hop on this and um, you know, talk a little bit about the company, the product, and kind of the mission of what we're, what we're looking to do. Excellent. Excellent. So I wanted you on here because you have an excellent saddle and I don't think that a lot of people are understanding what it is and that you're, you're here to stay. And I'd like for you to kind of tell your story on how Hunt Light became what it is and how you started everything and just give a little intro to the company. Yeah, absolutely. So I started Hunt Light uh, going on three years ago, um, and it kind of started from one, me beginning to hunt. I didn't start hunting until I just wrapped up my fourth fourth season of hunting. Um, so, you know, going into the third year of business, I think my numbers are correct there. Um, so yeah, right about, yep, yeah, those are about the same. So I started hunting, you know, after the pandemic and really wanted to just try and bow hunt from the ground in New Hampshire or New England, which is pretty tricky to do. Um, I then started doing some research on light ways to hunt mobily because I had already had one hip replacement by then and my body was already starting to take a turn just from, you know, some, some war injuries. And then my time as a mountain guide all starting to catch up with me. I'm like, I don't want to carry a tree stand around in the woods, you know, you know, 15, 20 extra pounds just to get up into a tree seems a little ridiculous. So I was doing some research on saddles ended up um, meeting a guy who was looking to get some ropes and devices from saddle for saddle hunting um, at the climbing shop that I guide out of and used to work for. And just through conversation of going over there, having, you know, having a talk with him, trying some stuff out. He's like, you know, you got a knack for this. You, you ever thought about making these things? And I didn't. And uh, now here we are. <laughs> so um, what, you know, what I found, I think the benefit that I have is the experience that I have coming from my military time, getting my injuries while sitting on a two inch wide strap, getting blown up and then transitioning into being a mountain guide. So taking lead climbing falls, hanging from climbing harnesses and, and knowing what's comfortable and what, what works in, in a, in a safe and secure manner in some senses. So some of the stuff that I had tried on with my injuries wasn't comfortable for me. I was getting the, the ever dreaded hip pinch that a lot of people talk about. Um, and I kind of just scratched my head a little bit and tried to think of a, of a design that uh, would work out and, and not provide that hip pinch. So I think I landed on something initially and um, it's just kind of been the slow evolution to, to branch out and keep the same philosophy with it and, and just expand a product line. So you know, you, you've um, hunted out of a bunch of different saddles, so you, you can speak to the, the comfort out of it and other people can as well. Um, it's very hard for me to speak to that because I know my body and I don't want to speak to what's going to be comfortable for everybody, but the, the feedback has been amazing. You know, it, it, it's really been good. I really like where it sits on you. Um, I found that like just one sticking with one panels, it just... I felt like I was hanging on by my leg straps. I kept having like 
when you're ascending. And when I'm reaching over, grab my one stick, I felt like I was barely hanging on the bottom of my saddle. And my first climb with yours, as soon as I sat, I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm very secure. I'm not, I felt very comfortable. I don't feel the leg straps digging into me or pretty much at all. It, it basically, I could, if they were cut off, I probably wouldn't notice. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and be clear. We don't want to be cutting our leg straps off on any saddle, despite what anybody might be showing on the internet. <laughs> yeah, I leave them there. I, but just, it's like they're not even there. So when I was climbing, it was very comfortable, and I was able to feel secure that I wasn't, like, hanging by those small straps when I should be in the whole part of the saddle. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things that I had noticed as I continued to evolve down, you know, for me, I started out with the single rope technique, you know, it felt easier with my background of having a line kind of hanging down and just ascending right up it. that made the most sense for me to climb wise, or I was using um, the bottom or excuse me, the seat portion of my lone wolf hand climber, and then just kind of inchworming my way up there with my rappel rope as well. So it wasn't until I started looking at the single rope technique, or excuse me, the, the, the one sticking and some of the other ways that people are climbing now and saw the benefit of it that way. What I was looking at was, all right, how, how can I keep the panel in the position that we usually use to support ourselves when either we lean against the wall or when we sit down in a chair and not have it come up over the top of the hip bone as well, but still capture the hips to keep you safe in, if you were to flip upside down. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I guess I just kind of stumbled on, I got lucky and stumbled on it. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I mean, I was at, even asked, how does, how does it stay where it is? I'm like, it just, it's there. It, you have your straps, it holds it up, but it just, it is where it is. And it, I found it very comfortable for like long walks, wearing it for a whole day. I mean, I never had another saddle that I could wear and walk in an earlier season for four and a half miles and not be dying and or just completely sweating like crazy. And that is like a huge for being mobile. I mean, I don't want to sweat in the woods, period. And sometimes you can't avoid it, carrying packs and everything else. But I don't want unnecessary heat and sweating from a saddle that, and before I, I just stopped wearing it on the way in, I was throwing it in my backpack. And then now I'm setting up again, even more at the tree. Yeah. You're, you're risking more, more noise, being a little bit louder, having more time, you know, even not last seat, not this season that we got out of, but the season prior to that, I had a rope set up and I was climbing up and even just the time of hooking up my devices to start ascending up. And I had, it was during rifle season, had this rifle slung across my back. A, a buck had run out of the bedding area and come down to where I was. So, you know, had I, had I been putting the saddle on, he would have caught me then too. You know, it's one of those things that I, as soon as I'm out of my truck, I want to be ready to just walk in and get set up and go. I want to, I want to be as efficient as possible because, you know, and, and efficiency for me means reducing certain steps because that that's just certain things that I don't have to remember. Um, efficiency in my mind is being able to know, all right, in my dump pouch or in my attack pack or whatever the piece of gear that I'm using, I know exactly where I'm putting that other piece of gear. Um, and I want it to be as light as possible because I want to reduce that bulk. You know, I, I really go into really thick areas when I'm out most of the time, um, which is not necessarily the best, but I just kind of, you know, get caught on a trail and, and wander. So 
I want to be narrow. I don't want my gear to be bulky, um, which was part of it. And, you know, kind of getting back to design a little bit, I didn't really intend to go down this route, but I kind of find it interesting that as I've been going down the design and trying to see how it all works and how it all plays, it's all like, it's all triangles, which is really interesting. You know, if, if you're looking to get out there and design a new hunting saddle, um, it, just focus on triangles and how to how to make how to link triangles that's really how we're getting to these things if you look at how the bridge connects to your tether it's a triangle right you have the carabiner and then the two tie-in points you're creating that triangle there and it's how can we create those triangles and the points along the body um, without having more material right because um, that's more weight more bulk so how can we create those triangles to to curve and match with the body to provide that comfort and the security it's i really didn't expect myself to find the design portion as fascinating as i do <laughs> yeah i mean even when we first met and i saw your saddle i was i mean you know i was extremely skeptical i mean oh, i yeah. was carrying at the time like elite saddle out there and it's like i'm looking at yours i'm like i don't i don't get it i don't i don't i just i i wasn't really seeing what it was at the time and i was new at it and then you know i'm five saddles later and like I told you, as soon as I sat in, I was like, this is, this is unbelievable. Um, I just don't think enough people have been able to experience it and see it. And, but now that you're out there, um, I'm going to go through some of the questions that were asked, just some things. And uh, one of the questions that someone wanted to know, these are some of the questionnaires on the, the Facebook page. Um, what events would you be attending this year? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so this year we're going to be at the Trinity Baptist Church. Uh, they do a sportsman's festival and that's in Concord, New Hampshire. They do that every year. That is, oh, I'm going to get the dates wrong, but it's in April. I believe it's that first weekend in April. April. Uh, yeah, that's correct. Um, so we're doing that. And then I, I've just got a mass bit of uh, mails out my contracts to all the events that I'm going to be signing, that we're going to be signing up for this year. So uh, Total Archery Challenge in Pico, Vermont. We're going to be boothing there, and that's in May. Uh, I don't have those dates off the top of my head. Uh, I don't have any of the dates. I'm underprepared. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but it's so, just, we'll know what shows you, you'll be attending. Yeah, yeah. Pico Total Archery Challenge. Um, the Huntstock in New York this year. Huntstock has been in Massachusetts the past few years. They're doing that again this year as well, but they're also expanding out to New York in July. So we're going to check out that venue and um, try and push a little bit outside of just the you know predominantly new hampshire area um and then as well we're going to be doing the nor'easter uh mobile hunter expo down in pennsylvania um really looking forward to that event um again pushing just kind of pushing that area out a little bit more getting a little bit more exposure and and hopefully getting more asses into saddles awesome um yeah i i love the shows i love going to them i mean i was with you for quite a while at huntstock this past season and it was it was great it, i mean these events just showing letting people know answer the questions get your hands on it i mean that's the biggest thing with i think with saddles that people are very skeptical about buying is it's they're not really like you're not going buy them at the dollar store i mean some of these saddles and most nice saddles they cost a little bit of money and they want to like i'm very i need to see it i need to feel it before i'm actually buying it um but these yeah are, and that's you're at oh, 
you know, that's something that I find it, and it, it's kind of different as I'm getting into getting more into the hunting industry coming from like the, the, the mountain guiding world, all of our equipment is, is really specialized. So yes, there's the REIs and the EMSs, but those stores are, are shrinking in size in terms of physical locations. Um, so I'm fortunate that I live in North Conway and I, and I have the international mountain, you know, mountain equipment store up here that I could go to and try on the specialty boots. So it's interesting for me because I come from the background and the gear side of things where the specialty equipment has always been kind of hard to get your hand on. You're really kind of gambling when you want that that new pair of boots of climbing boots that just released this year. You're, you're dropping a thousand dollars on a pair of boots, um, but you don't get a chance to try them on and they're new. They've never been made. Right. So coming into this industry where, you know, you could it used to be back in the day, you could go to Walmart and buy all the equipment that you needed. Right. You know, now we're starting to see them not carry as much stuff, but you know, now getting into more of a specialty side of it where, Oh, this, the new idea of the specialty equipment not being available for everybody is a little tricky. And we do have to have that exposure. It's nice to see that more and more people are starting to have events where they're just doing demo days or, or that kind of stuff. You know, once the company continues to grow, because, you know, right now it's, I'm a one man show in terms of, of day-to-day operations. Um, and I'm fortunate that I have really good ambassadors, you know, full disclosure, you being one of them and a bunch of other who help out in terms of, of just pushing the brand awareness out there. Um, so as the company expands, right, then there's more opportunity for us to be able to provide that, that try and buy service. You know, I, I would like to see some podcasts, uh, some podcasts or other media group get together in the Northeast and offer it, you know, the Southern, uh, the Southern public podcast does a good job where they tour, they get saddles from a bunch of different companies and they tour their little region. Um, and they have a, a calendar events of, of just try on events. So people are able to try them on and get that, that feeling of what it's like to hang in the saddle before they buy it. Yeah. I mean, that and a lot of being able to see all the equipment, you're not going to see just one at a time. You get to compare all of them in one sitting, which is a really, it's a good benefit, especially when you're going to buy a lot and invest in this type of uh, mobile hunting. Yeah. And it, I, I think that you put it a really good way because it is an investment. A lot of people look at it and they're like, oh, well, I've already spent this much money on my tree stands. You know, why should I convert over into a mobile hunting thing? And I don't think it's a converting thing. I think it's just adding another set of tools to that toolbox that you can choose from. You know, if you want to go out west and you're chasing tags, I know now's the time for everybody to be putting in for their tags, right? Uh, for their lottery. So if you're out chasing elk in a dry year, you know, I think a lightweight hunting, a saddle, lightweight saddle hunting setup is a really good way to kind of just increase those odds if you find that watering hole, right? You're, I'm not carrying uh, a tree stand out into the, you know, six miles out into elk country if I'm going to backcountry elk. But what if I've drew the tag, you know, drew my, my unit of a lifetime and it's a dry year? I've got to find a watering hole and I've got to elevate. Saddle's the way to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that the mobility and the safety of it i mean, i can say for years and years hunting out of a tree stand i was never hooked up until i was in a stand i always had that ego like i'm good i i can climb anything i have the trees i climbed to get up into didn't even have i mean i was bear hugging all the way up no branches get up to where i need to be my stand's way up there i forgot my one climbing stick or something but yeah i wasn't as safe as i am now and now being a little older and 
injuries tend to last longer. Um, I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring up that safety side of things because this is something again, like with my background, I go down a rabbit hole on, and you know, I'm I really wish that that at, at Huntstock I had done a demo where I had you know essentially intentionally fallen off of a platform with a little bit of slack in my in my climbing system, and I was using a dynamic rope. Uh, you, you ended up trying to capture it on your, was it your 360 camera or something like that? And yeah. I don't think the file ended up capturing. I was really hopeful that that would happen, but we have more demonstrations like that in store at some of these events and some of these shows. Cause for me, it's about education as well. Like I love the product design aspect of it. I really hate selling. I love talking to people, but I really, I really hate selling my product. I just want to hear more about people's stories and their hunts. And if I can enhance their hunt with the product that I make awesome, if it's the knowledge that I can impart on them from climbing or whatever, that that's great. I just, those are the two focuses for me. So with that, it's like looking at some of the gear that's being used and, and then extrapolating data from different studies that I'm doing in terms of rescue work or other stuff and seeing where we can increase efficiency and use of our equipment or where certain, you know, certain ropes are appropriate or certain devices are appropriate. I haven't, you know, I haven't been able to formulate my thoughts on the stuff yet because I'm still digging deep and I want to do my or digging deep and I want to do my own studies on it come the summertime and some of my own tests. Um, but I'm I'm really trying to push people 100% that if you're one sticking at all um, to use a dynamic rope when you're when you're climbing versus a static line. If I can, I just want to get that point across. Uh, use something to absorb a little bit of that shock. If you were to make a mistake, a stick were to pop or the, the platform were to move when you were setting it or something like that, where there is a little bit, where there has that potential to have that slack in the system. Cause I know people that are one sticking and not using that lineman's belt when they get to the top to then readjust their tether or whatever it is. Um, so that's just something that I've seen that I think I wanted to make sure that I, I, I got across. Yeah. I mean, watching you do that, um, it was funny seeing everyone's reaction and then to visually see how much that rope actually gave and give you some, a little bit more spring in it instead of a very hard jolt at the end. Yeah. Cause that's the thing is like, you know, yes, these static lines to some senses, right. We're, we're not taking big climbing falls on them. And I want to make sure that I'm getting that that, that people know that I understand that too. I know we're not like lead climbing on them, but, if you take a fall on say like an eight mil Oplux, cause that's a great, that's a great rope that everybody's using. So if you have three feet of that, you know, and it's all math based. So I'm, I don't, I don't know the formulas off the top of my head, but if you weigh say like, you know, 200 pounds, that's an average, I'd say that's a good average size for a, a saddle hunter. You're a 200 pound saddle hunter and you have three feet of slack in an Oplux. If you slip off your platform and you take that fall, that's a decent amount of energy that's going to get transferred directly onto the contact points of the saddle onto the body. Um, I just try, you know, having the low back issues and the two fake hips that I have, I just try, you know, for me building those systems to avoid having to do that for myself has led into the research and trying to better, you know, the product for everybody else as well. And, and, and not just the product, but also the techniques and the knowledge that we're getting out there, which is kind of, you know, um, uh, another phase that the business is going in as well as I personally am going to be taking my hunting guides license exam uh, next month, the written portion next month with hopes of, you know, where some wood knock on wood, passing it and getting the oral board uh, passed as well to, to, to guide this year, because I want us, I want hunt light to be able to branch out and also be an outfitter as well. So 
have had the hunt light manufacturing side of things and then the education and outfitting side of things and more the education and getting people interested in hunting there are much better people out there to take you out and, and, and shoot your biggest deer um, I just know how to educate people and teach people the skills to, to help themselves be more self-sufficient in their own trips in their own life. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, even speaking with you when we were at Huntstock, going over the ropes and everything else, I mean, now there's so many different methods. So you have so many tools when you do go out into the woods on your own and pick and choose how you want to do things and having a guide where you can, someone new to it that has no one to show them you can go someplace someone can teach you a safe way of doing things i think is is going to be great um i'm going to go through a couple more of the questions uh, i've got three and then we can just keep going from there so i think this question is to me is self-explanatory um the question was has anyone looked into a reinforced belt a battle belt slash police uh police belt system I believe they're trying to say it like the thicker leather belts. Yep. Yeah. So that's kind of the route that I'm working towards with mine. So, you know, full disclosure, again, this is like year three of business for me. Um, I didn't recognize, I mean, I've recognized it was year three because I've only been doing it for year, three years, but in my mind, I'm like 10 years ahead of where I really am in terms of products that I want to get out and trying to rush stuff out to market. So if you look at the new saddles now, I did away with all the Molly. I, I'm kind of sick of Molly. Um, I, I spent enough time with it in the military. So I moved to an uh, I moved to adding an inner belt now into the system. So you can have you have the option of having a Velcro um, the loop side out, which would be the outer belt side, or you can flip it over and just have the camo facing out and the, the vel loop velcro against your your body or against your belt line um, of the saddle. But the intention is in the future, using the same carbon toggles that we're using on our leg straps now, um, as well as some other new lightweight material to have an outer belt. So having the ability to have either a one and a half um, inch, which is the, the width that we're using for our belts in general. So having the same outer belt system. Yes, we're using Velcro, but you know, right now the magnet technology, which is really where I want to go to, it's not strong enough um for the weight ratio that i'm looking for so velcro is the best option because you know for me ideally i would love to see a system where you're wearing your belt and the saddle just hooks right onto it overall that's kind of where i'm leading the design to go so having that outer rigid belt already attached to the saddle hook right into the inner belt and you're ready to rock and roll and go and go ahead all your dump pouches and everything else could live on that rigid reinforced belt so i have prototypes that are out there um and and i have people that are testing them out right now it's a manufacturing process that's a hold up for me um i i need a very i need access to a laser cutter to get to the designs and get to the point where i want to go and it's just trying to source one locally and northern rural new hampshire is a little little tricky yeah you're up there <laughs> um, one thing i like about the the whole belt and especially where it sits because i was asked so like, if you carry a sidearm, where do you put it? Because it's like on your normal belt, you're inside your saddle and you can't wear it in, or you have to put it somewhere else. I'm like, I just put it on my belt. I'm like, it's right there. I can still be in my saddle. I don't, I don't have to take it off when I'm walking. I don't have to move it. It's, it's there for those people that do like to carry sidearms when they're in the woods and being in a saddle. I mean, you can't even have 
anything. I had used to carry a one piece knife on my belt and I couldn't before. Now I can. Yeah. And, and I know like even with the saddle in general, in terms of people mounting stuff onto saddles, if you look at the trend in the industry, a lot of the trend now is to have these different pouches, side pouches or anything else, like basically married directly to the saddle. That's kind of the way that the industry is being pushed. And I've always kind of been a contrarian in my life. I don't like that. I don't like having crap hanging off of me when I'm up there. Maybe it's again, the bad hips or the bad back, but I like having a sleek stuff. I want all my stuff on the tree because one, that's more bulk and stuff and mass in front of me. That gives me a little bit more concealment from that deer. It kind of helps break up that outline a little bit more. So, you know, again, moving away with the Molly, when you have stuff mollied on, it's not as easily removable. Uh, granted, our dump pouches have the Molly pattern, so they're interchangeable with other units or other saddles that are out there. But we're using that, you know, quick and easy, like, um, cord lock pass-through system where yes it's it's definitely easier than molly but if you have it on your saddle and you want to take it off it's a little bit tricky again the hope is that maybe you know or instead of having that outer belt married to the saddle the saddle's married to the inner belt and then you can take the outer belt off and have all your gear hooked on and then it just turns your belts your gear strap or something like that you know i want things to be multifunctional not just not just serve one purpose yeah i mean I went all last season after being in a tree and just turning and having stuff hitting the tree and just how I shoot. uh, I didn't, I don't like anything on me. I was never used to being in a tree stand and have things hanging off of me and it's different. I don't like it. So everything I have is my pack. That's what I've been loving about this saddle is I walk in with my saddle. Everything's on my pack. Um, I've been learning to do as minimal impact when i get to a tree to the ground for scent because right now if you're carrying everything in your pack most people are walking right to their tree they're putting the pack on the ground taking all their stuff out and then climbing the tree and you just saturated the whole bottom of your tree with your scent yeah i've been going in i turn my my pack take my stick off and then i climb my ropes off my pack everything's in my pack or and i just have my saddle that's it so that for me is very beneficial for being in the tree and being able to move around without hitting anything branches or getting hung up. Yeah. And you're using, you're shooting traditional as well, correct? Yes. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Like, you know, what have you seen from in terms of just different saddles, not even, not even speaking to, to our saddle specifically, but have you noticed a difference in terms of, of how different types of saddles fit and feel while you're trying to shoot traditionally? Um, I found that some of what, what I found that I don't like is anything noisy. It has to be quiet. Um, some of the materials are great that they're using, but they're loud. Um, if you rub Kador on a tree, it is loud, especially when the woods are whisper quiet. Most camo, everything that we're wearing is to be quiet fleeces, um, all these different, synthetics that they're using or even wool they're quiet they don't make noise so when you have any material or the dump pouch on the side that it almost sounds like you're opening up a bag of chips to get (laughs) is not beneficial for any traditional i mean we're sub 20 so anything it's got to be 20 yards or under is our most everyone's comfort zone and when they're that close i mean 
when deer are right under you, you're not making noise. You're moving very slow. And I found material is huge for me. Um, I also found that I want to, I like feeling as natural leaning back. Like if I was just leaning off of something and that's other saddles that I've worn um, a few different ones. Some are, they are very comfortable, but I found that I was sit, standing for long periods of time in a position that it's not normal for me. Like my, my legs are bent really hard and, or I start leaning forward and I felt too cradled in it. If that, if you can envision that I, with, I like being able to feel like I'm just leaning back in my seat, feet comfortable and I'm not using any of my, any effort to stay in that position. Kind of that natural hang. Um, I, a lot of it is just moving your, your tether height and that to get comfortable. Um, I like something that feels like it. It's, it's me and not something I'm in, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that was something that I was going to, you know, that I had a question about for you, because I, I find that with the outsider saddle that, it's, you know, the first season and even most of the half season, I didn't really use the back strap for it as well. I just kind of went out there with the saddle because I'm like, oh, I don't really need to carry anything else. I'm, I'm fine. But then the longer that I would sit, just how I had kind of isolated the panel versus the waist portion and not really having that added that added material that a true single panel has there. Um, I found that I ended up wanting to have that back support of the back strap, especially for longer day sits. And I know you sat a significant amount of time this year. I remember getting texts from you, you know, throughout the season with how many hours that you've been, you know, been putting into the saddle. And I was dumbfounded with the amount of time that you spent in it. It yeah. was incredible. Did you find that, or do you find that in general with your, you know, with this saddle or with other saddles that you need that added support of the backstrap? I think with any, I would say with any single panel, the backstrap is definitely the, it's very helpful for the longer sets. Most people can stand in a single position, leaning up against a tree for hours anyways, just from us being in the woods. But when you start pushing the, you know, you've been there for five, six, and then you go dark to dark, that's a long time to be as unmobile as possible. So comfort is what everyone strives for. And a two panel is already hitting your back a majority of the time. So a backstrap is just like lounge chair. Um, with any type of single panel or hitting low, I found that the back strap, once you start getting past or the back band, let me correct myself. Um, you, once, you had ours right back strap. Yeah. <laughs> when you're like to a normal set, if I went in the morning and I left at noon, I don't feel so bad. But once you start pushing that mid afternoon, you want to still stay comfortable because at any second you need to be ready and you don't want to be sore or just being in pain from being in that position for so long. So that back strap, the back band just holds you in there and keeps you in line without having to use too much core to keep you in position. Yeah. You, you keep going back and forth from the back strap to the back band. And it's because I screwed it up. I'm the only, like all the other companies call theirs a back band. And I don't know why they never called it a back strap. It just, it, we, we eat it. We might as well use it too. <laughs> and if they're, they are multifunctional too. So you can do other stuff with them. Um, but yeah, I found that the really long sits, it does add 
a little bit additional comfort to it. Um, I didn't get one until later in the season, and I already did quite a few long days. Um, On a windy day, if you're in a saddle, yes, it is very beneficial because your legs and everything, just being able to use your weight to keep you in position is nice. Yeah, I I know that I found that most of the time when I bring my my back strap out, I end up falling asleep more than more often than I do hunting. <laughs> it it definitely added the the comfort level for me, which is probably why I intuitively didn't want to bring it. <laughs> but, and it packs so small, so it's like just stuff in the pack, and it, realistically, it's like the size of a Twinkie when it's rolled up. Yeah, exactly. All right, so here's another question that was asked. Um, what sets Hunt Light apart? I think we've been discussing this for a little while, but I'll let you go. Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is is the design of the, of the flagship product, the Outsider Saddle, is, is a key product feature that sets us apart. But more than, than that, what sets us apart as a company is the overall mission of wanting to just better people's hunts. It's you know, it's not a way for us to kind of just make a buck selling a product. I really believe in helping others be more successful by giving them the knowledge to be able to reduce their gear, lighten their load, and also go a little bit farther. It, it also allows them to preserve it for a longer period of time as well, right? Like not just going farther in the backcountry, but again, I, I harp on this, I'm double hip replacement and my back's a little jacked up. I personally want to be able to do this for the longevity of it. And if I can help other people as well, um, that's really what it's all about. Imparting that knowledge to help better, better people or help people better themselves and to be able to hunt. I want to be able to help that father of four be successful on his hunt, whether it's just through a quick conversation of knowledge of ropes and doesn't even buy anything or, hey, I bought your saddle. And this helped me lighten my load X number. So I was able to go out that much farther and that got me to the spot. You know, I think it's the level of care and just the genuine nature that the company is, that the company has that kind of sets us apart. Yeah. I mean, I said it on when we did our first intro, I mean, saddle hunting for me, just rejuvenated hunting. Um, I was always a solo hunter. I didn't follow anybody. I- magazines i didn't watch dvds i just did my thing um and then when i looked in the saddle it was i connected with so many different people and now learned so many different techniques and things that i mean i didn't even listen to podcasts i didn't do anything i just did my own thing and then just completely getting submerged in this the information the knowledge and all the things that i probably shouldn't have been doing that i was so yeah, the education part of it's awesome and being able to pass it on to other people is just, I think, part of being an outdoorsman, being a good person to someone else. Yeah, that's really the next phase, you know, that that I've been getting into and wanting to push that, which is why I, I personally am pursuing the the guiding certificate or the guiding license, excuse me, not just a certificate, but that's, you know, as I'm starting to recognize, I mentioned earlier, you know, having the ideas that are 10 years out, as I'm working towards those 10 year goals, recognizing that I'm only in that year three, it, it's given me a lot of hope of, of what we will be able to accomplish, accomplish in those 10 years. Because like you said, Hunt Light's not going anywhere. Like, you know, the economy can tank. I've got all the sewing machine. It's all in the house right now. 
if that just means that I'm filling orders as they come in for however long I need to, to, to make it through. Awesome. That's what we have to do. But Hunt Light's not going anywhere. We're, we're here to stay because we want to we want to be the good change that we want to see in the world. And, and that has to start somewhere. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Um, going through this is our the last one I had on there, um, which you've kind of went in a little bit is anything in the works that you can share, which you've been sharing, but yeah, so there's that. Um, I've been prototyping a new saddle design for for this year as well. Uh, the hope is to get some more testing done on it, some in-house testing, and then also some third-party, both static loading and drop testing. Um, you've you've seen this at the the shoot that we did a few months back or a month or month or so back. Um, it's very similar to what we have, but just a little bit wider, easier to attach, and um, a, a little bit lighter as well. I, I was on that path of trying to chase that sub one, you know, the sub one pound saddle package um i kind of that was just a an inner fire that i was trying to reach but i have since stopped trying to chase the the number dragon really just trying to focus on building a really solid quality product um i had the intention of trying to do soft uh, a hard good lines as well but again that kind of brought me off track from what i truly needed to focus on so really this year it's just focusing on that one product i'm i'm been thinking about an idea of how to, you know, I've released, I've made a couple of prototype designs and, and given them out and put them on Instagram and everything and trying to figure out how to release, how to do like a soft release on that. Cause again, the material that I'm using for this, some of the stuff, it's, it's very challenging to work with, with just using the, the shear, the shears that I have here, having a laser cutter is really what I'm going to need to be able to start mass producing but try to figure out a way to still release the product, you know, with that understanding that this is not the final mass produce, production volume, still to kind of get that exposure, get that prototyping feedback from the real life customer as well, and still develop the products while not fully releasing it. So that's something I've been trying to toy with on how to make it work, because I think there is a benefit there for the initial customers who do believe and are willing to spend that money they're not going to be getting lesser of a product, right? It's just going to be lesser refined compared to the production version. So that's kind of something that I'm playing with because I do have so many ideas that it just, it feels, um, it feels like I'm cheating myself to sit on them, but I'm still in this phase where right now I am production. So if things were to blow up and I were to have an order for a hundred saddles tomorrow, I'd kind of be hosed right now. Yeah. I mean, to, to make saddles, to stay on top of it and still be doing everything else. I think you're doing an excellent job, especially when you're, like you said, you're all manufacturing. Yeah, we're, we are working with a local factory and trying to come to terms with being able to get into there to help free things up. Because again, like some of the other big things are we're, we're talking and, you know, the intention is to have some saddles into at least one store this year, and that being Coyote Creek down in Rochester, New Hampshire. Um, and then I've got to confirm and, and make sure things are good as well. But again, LL Cody up in Errol, New Hampshire, we're looking at having some saddles up there as well. And I suspect that with the amount of exposure that we have, you know, through the shows, through these podcasts and, and through the, the stores that our volume is going to continue to increase. So that is, 
something that I, I absolutely have to work on doing is removing myself from that production side of things so that we can grow. That's kind of the biggest limiting factor right now. Um, you know, the designs are, are there and I, I want to just shout out all the different designs that I have and all the different products that I want to get out, but I don't want to get, I don't want to generate hype for something that's realistically, you know, one to two to three to four years down the line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, yeah. Don't get our hopes up. And be, <laughs> But <clears throat> I've, like I said, I've, I've, I've enjoyed my time in this saddle. I preach it to everyone. If it's like, it's hard to explain how I felt when I sat and bought all these other ones and sat in yours. I mean, I'm not downing any of the other saddles. I'm, it's just my way of hunting. Yours fit me the best. The other saddles I have, they're great companies. They have great products. I didn't fit in it the way I do with yours. Yeah, I, I really appreciate that feedback because I know how skeptical you were. Like most most people don't really know that, but I know how skeptical you were. It took you about a year, I think, before I was able to get you to try one on. So it to was, hear that you know, oh, to hear that feedback's huge. Yeah, it was about two years that I just looked at it. And then uh when Kevin told me he got one, I was like, Really? And because he was <clears throat> with other you know, major brands. And he had been in a lot of different saddles. And I was very, that really, I was like, because he's been in a saddle a lot more longer than I have. And to find that he went from a big name brand to trying yours, which I'd only seen you at the Trinity Church. And then seeing you at Hunt Light. And at that point, I was like, I don't know why I haven't even sat in this yet to even form an opinion. That's what I want people to do is actually get in it, form your own opinion everybody sits different so having a different option or something out there because you're always hearing the hip pinch and all the other products to eliminate it and in my opinion you're just bringing more things to solve a problem and if you can solve it by not having to bring any more things in the woods i think it's great yeah i mean that's something that i I kind of laugh at, I, you know, I, I don't mean to scoff at other products or anything. Right. But it's, I see products where you have like a, a spreader bar or, or what looks like, you know, what looks like an adjustment bar if you're like kiteboarding or, or paragliding or something like that um, to, to help reduce the tension or the pinch that happens. And Hey, if that works, that's awesome. But I think that, you know, it's like putting a bandaid on a gunshot wound. I hate using that, that metaphor, but like, you know, yeah, you, you can do that. It might not be the best option or we could just do it right the first time, right? Like we can pack the wound properly. Um, that sounds really arrogant and I'm not meaning to sound arrogant about it, but like if I see a, if I see a problem, the solution isn't to just add more things to it to try and fix it. The solution is to like, all right, where's the problem starting in the beginning? Okay, the problem's because we have material here and it's compressing again, back to the triangles. You know, it's compressing here. So if we remove that material, well, how do we remove that material? They're just kind of fixing the problem from from the start, if possible. You know, some of these things are just not possible to, to fix. Like, the, you know, because some people have also, it's not the pinch, but it's this like um, this cupping, I would say, where the saddle, 
they're in between sizes. They don't want to get the larger size. They get the smaller one. It ends up cupping a little bit more, which is a different type of problem. It's not pinching the the femur and the hip down onto each other, but it's cupping that body a little bit more. You know, a larger saddle could do that, you know, could fix that, but it's still going to cup. It's just going to cup differently with different material in different places. So it's, again, thinking of what the ultimate problem is. Is it something that is solvable or is it something that we can't solve? You know, you can add padding to things, but then you're adding more pressure points. If you remove the padding and you just have, like, ideally, I would have the straps, the webbing, be one just big continuous piece of webbing because that's what's taking all the weight. The the mesh or the, the fabric in between the panel isn't carrying any of that structural weight. You really don't need it. You can, you've seen some other saddle manufacturers do them without it, where it's just the straps, right? Yeah. So... But what you're creating there is you're creating that pressure point. You know, I've got models that I've tested out for myself that I've used, you know, inch, you know, inch webbing versus the two inch or inch and a half, seeing if going down narrower and adding more of that mesh surface area would help reduce the pressure. And it doesn't. So it's like, oh, man, I would love for the entire thing to be weight bearing, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if you have a problem, just get rid of it. So, no, I, it's, I found it very, very comfortable. And I did, that's what I didn't notice in the tree and how it sits. I mean, more people, once they're in it, I think you're going to see a lot of people changing their minds about you and hunt light and just everything, just being in the saddle, just, and it was, yeah, two years where I wouldn't just walk by and look at yours. And yeah, you definitely changed me at Huntstock. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And I think that some of the people that are into the large saddles as well are going to be happy this year too, because I just got done changing the pattern on it a little bit and, and creating a little bit more surface area. Uh, I was noticing the size between the two, the medium and the large wasn't a lot there. And I've had some feedback of saying, Hey, I'd like just a little bit more. So that's another added change that we have for this year is a little bit wider, uh, a little bit more material, a little bit more fabric rather in the, um, and the large for a little bit added comfort. Excellent. Um, what else would you like to uh, address? Is there anything else coming up? Anything soon? I know you're doing. Uh, your- uh, I don't think of anything soon. That's really happening. Really just kind of getting some, a lot of this winter has been um, a lot of book, book work keeping, you know, the back end stuff that nobody really, no, nobody in business likes actually talking about, you know, the people don't really find it interesting. Uh, I don't find it interesting doing, but it's been doing that, trying to build up, build up what's going on and how we're going to be able to grow this year. Uh, also trying to chase snowshoe hair without a dog. Um, you know, we all know that whitetail hunting, especially in New England is, is challenging but I, I am a firm believer that that small game, that, that gray squirrel and snowshoe hare is definitely a more challenging hunt than, than large mammals. That's what I'm convinced of now. Um, I, I don't know where the heck to shoot them. Like, I never see them. They're always in the thick stuff. I don't have a dog to run. I'm not going to use a dog to run in there. It is extremely challenging. So, you know... <laughs> that's that's really all I've been doing is trying to use the the best uh, trying to use my free time to go out and try and chase snowshoe hares. I want to I want to shoot a damn snowshoe hare. <laughs> yeah, I never did small game hunting. I never really did. I mean, I shoot chipmunks when they're around the house, but 
I never really went out for rabbits or anything like that. So I think that's something I might pursue at some point once I you get know, stuff. <laughs> I I learned um, learned it on the internet that snowshoe hare, you know, especially if you're not using a dog, if you're tracking them, it can be very similar to tracking deer on snow. So it's like, okay, well, the deer season ended. We have snow. Let's just continue this, continue to try and refine the skills. Um, and what I've noticed while trying to stay on the tracks, and I say trying because, uh, you know, people use beagles to chase them, to hunt them for a reason. They're small and they're agile animals. I am not a smaller agile animal. Um, so, but trying to stay on the tracks and, and recognizing that some of their patterns, some of their habits are pretty similar to what I've seen with deer just on like a very, very small scale. So, being able to find that transferable skills kind of cool. And again, learning like what they're eating, why they're stopping here. Just that understanding is kind of interesting to me. I have also learned fun fact. If you want to see a snowshoe hare, just pull out your phone and open your Onyx and they'll just hop right out of the, whatever thicket they were in. And they'll just look at you. <laughs> uh, so we're clo- getting pretty close to an hour and I think we've covered your saddle very well. Um, I want to thank you very much for coming on tonight and spending some time talking about Hunt Light and what it is and what it's going to be. Um, I think it's great. And I want to thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity. You know, you've been putting a bug in my ear to, to talk to your audience for quite a while now. And I'm, I'm glad that there were some good questions and I was glad that I was able to kind of hop on and share our story and tell you guys where we're going and kind of what we're hoping to, to bring to the industry. Um, like I said, we're not going anywhere. And, and hopefully as the years go, the, the quality of the products is only going to continue to get better and, and really hopefully blow, blow the mind of the hunting, um, the hunting gear world. Excellent. Well, I want you to have a good night and thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. No problem.